Hello and welcome back to another Ed Voices podcast by Education International. I'm Elena Schulz-Jimeno from EIS Communications Department and will guide you through the session that we recorded during one of our international seminars here in Brussels a few weeks ago. We talked to education leaders from Ghana and Portugal about the situation of teachers and the education system in their country. We first met Gifty Anyongbei Apanbil, who is the Deputy General Secretary in charge of Education and Professional Development at GNAT from Ghana, and asked her about the impact of the privatization of education in her country. Do teachers feel more pressure? Are schools receiving the support they need? With uh, the influence of privatization in education, it is drifting education to exam-oriented teaching. To the extent that the children are not developed holistically. Ghana, we are becoming worried about the type of education which we are giving to the children, which is not trying to bring out the issue of citizenship education. We want every Ghanaian child to be given the values of Ghana. And with the intervention of this private uh, commercialization and the private for profit, they are only interested in making profits. And what, how they make their profits is to make sure that they tailor the teaching towards examination, which is going to neglect our curriculum, which is very important to us as a community. As a country, we cherish our values. We cherish the fact that we are unique and that all the children that we are bringing up should go through that socialization so that they will continue to have the values of the Ghanaian. We are also saying that education is supposed to help us develop as unique people, taking into cognizance our environment and what it presents to us so that the skills and the knowledge that our children are acquiring are supposed to help them utilize the resources which we have in our country. If we are able to tailor that based on the curriculum of the education service that we have in Ghana, then a time will come when we will not have unemployment situation in our country because the children will be able to use the skills to tap the resources, utilize the environment to their advantage. So privatization of education is a, a big blow to Ghana because it is gradually taking the government's responsibility away from providing education as a public good. And we think that that is against the Ghanaian constitution because our constitution says that it is government that should provide free, quality, compulsory, basic education. And so if the private sector is given the chance to do that, we think that it is going to bring uh, disparities, it is going to bring about exclusion, it is going to make, make education very expensive out of the reach of all. And we think that as a union, we need to fight against this because it is the right of every Ghanaian child to have free, compulsory public education so that we can use our curriculum to build the kind of citizenship education that we want our children to acquire and have the values of the Ghanaian as we want. And, and can teachers actually today 
decide about the curriculum in public schools? Are you part of a dialogue about what should be taught, how it should be taught, or do you think that there is room for improvement? We are part of a dialogue because the current government thinks that education in our country should stand on three pillars. And these three pillars are literacy, numeracy, and skills development. And we know that when we are able to build on these three pillars, every Ghanaian child will have the skills that he wants to survive or live in the country. So they are making the union as part of the uh, stakeholders of this new curriculum development. We are even looking at it as a country to look at the curriculum for teacher training. Because we have realized that there is a gap between the curriculum that is used for teacher training and what is actually expected of the teacher on the field. And so Ghana as a country, we are going through this system so that we will have a new curriculum for all the institutions that are training teachers, which they have engaged in union to participate in. That is very interesting. And I wanted to ask you a last question because I have never been to Ghana. And you said that you would like to educate your children in the Ghanaian values and socialize them as people from Ghana. Could you summarize in one or two sentences what that, what that means to you? It is very important to us because the Ghanaian by nature is very humble, is very respectful, is very hardworking, speaks the truth, honors the elderly, and we, are, we believe in communal spirit, that we support each other in everything that we are doing. But with the present system, we are drifting away from those values, which we think are very critical to us. Because as socialization goes on, nothing has been done to take care of the aged. And we think that as a society, if we lose those values, we will have a problem where we will not even have the resources to take care of the aged in the society. So this is something that we think we should maintain and we should let our children uh, develop those skills. We have realized that the ability of a teacher to deliver is his or her skills, professional skills. These professional skills can be sharpened through continuous in-service training, which our governments are not trying to invest in that. As a union, we think that that is our bargaining power. And so we are taking some of our union resources to do in-service training for teachers. We do this to get in collaboration with the Canadian Teachers Federation. Yearly, we are able to train, give in-service training to over 2,000 teachers of our membership. We feel that when we do that, teachers will have the, uh, they will have the courage, they will have the confidence, they will have the zeal to impact in the classroom. Because learning is continuous, and we think that we must give the teachers the opportunity to continue to sharpen their skills in the classroom. So you have this joint project with the CTF yes, about teachers' training, and what does that include uh, specifically? Service training. Mm -hmm. They have, with the Canadian teachers, we are in partnership with a program called Nkabum. And with Nkabum, what we are trying to do is that we are trying to rekindle that communal spirit in our rural communities where school infrastructure is so dilapidated, 
We have a lot of challenges over there. We help the community to analyze their own situation over there, look at the resources that they have, and see what they can what help they can use those resources to help themselves, help them to identify people outside their community who can help them, and give them advocacy skills as to how they can get help from others. And then by so doing, they own the school. There is good community school relationship, and because of that, there is very cordial relationship between the teachers, the children, and the community. So because of that, there is, they build a very good school tone, school environment for effective teaching and learning. So when they come, that is what we do. We do in-service training for those selected schools. And then for the urban schools, we give them in-service training in subjects like mathematics, science, integrated science, English language, um, social studies, which has to deal with the Ghanaian values and those things. And then we also have courses in school administration, school governance. And then we have courses also in the uh, beginning teachers' mentorship. We realize that as young teachers come from out from the school into the teaching environment, there are certain challenges that they go through, and we need the elderly teachers in the society to mentor them. So we give them those skills in that particular program. That was our interview with Gifty Ayungbe Apambil from Ghana. We're here with Joaquim Santos from FNE Portugal. Before, during the seminar, you were mentioning the situation of privatization and teacher professionalism in Portugal, how it affects it. And we would like to uh, you to tell us more in detail what um, the situation is like in Portugal right now and what the unions are doing in regards to that. Um, as you know, in Portugal, we had a change in government in uh, September 2015. Uh, and I should say that, uh, generally speaking, uh, the teachers are more or less the same. So there is a, a, different, a difference of hope. There is more hope now uh, than uh, with the last government. But in fact, uh, the working conditions are exactly the same. Um, as a matter of fact, the last negotiation process, it was at the beginning of this year, concerning the mobility of teachers and, uh, and contract teacher, teacher, uh, teachers as well, and there was no agreement with uh, all the unions in Portugal. So this is the situation. So I should say that uh, uh, the conditions are very bad, teachers are extremely tired, they are working hard uh, with 50 hours, more than 50 hours and the problems we had some years ago uh, we are having the same, exactly the same problems nowadays. Our career uh, is frozen, our salaries uh, are frozen since 2010 for teachers and non-teachers and uh, they are going to continue frozen at least until the end of 2017. So these are, globally speaking, uh, the conditions, the weather conditions, uh, working conditions of teachers in Portugal. Something you mentioned earlier is um, the fact that you felt really um, happy about the fact you organized a big event to in support 
to teachers, to the work conditions. And a lot of people actually responded to that. A lot of people were demonstrating for quality public education, meaning support to teachers as well. So maybe you can tell us more about um, the, the support you can get from different partners in civil societies with the parents, support to your working conditions. Uh, what I have just told you some minutes ago, it was about non-teachers. So the last strike in Portugal was uh, on uh, 3rd February and it was a non-teacher strike. Uh, because my federation, uh, we had the 10 uh, trade unions, seven of teachers, and three unions of uh, personal uh, education. So the last strike, it was only for non-teachers. Uh, the unions in Portugal uh, are working very hard, are working very well, are trying to have the support of the society, because... The, there is a devalorization of the teaching uh, profession uh, and uh, everybody feels that um, there are things we, we must uh, do in order to inverse uh, the state of things uh, in Portugal. Another thing you, you mentioned was quite interesting to me. I didn't know you said uh, PISA is also very present in developing countries and now they have this program PISA for development. Maybe you can tell us more about it and what it means for the teacher professionalism and working conditions. Yes, uh, I am. Uh, I represent Portugal in the TUAC meeting at OECD uh, through my uh, Portuguese uh, confederation. So we have uh, one place at the TUAC uh, uh, in, at OECD. So I go to OECD twice a year. We have two meetings there between trade unions and the government side and OECD. And what I feel there and what we all feel here is that we are all facing um, a, great, uh, a great battle, a great battle against the, um, the public education, against the public school. And uh, who are these people? These people... Uh, uh, are struggling for privatization of public school and they are, uh, I should say, in a religious sense. I, I should say that we are facing um, a war of uh, David against the Goliath uh, because we are very, very small concerning all these uh, great uh, world players like uh, uh, Pearson, uh, like uh, Microsoft, like eBay and, and so on and so on. And um, what is going on is that, uh, as you know, PISA is working with OECD countries and with some countries which do not belong to OECD. But now they have a special program, uh, which is called PISA for Development, in which they try to gather uh, many other countries, especially from Africa. And what is their purpose? Their purpose is to... Uh, privatize um, education in those countries, trying to include those countries in testing, more testing, more testing and more testing, so that the great companies can enter in those countries. So this is a, a great battle we are facing. So we must, first of all, we, we must know all these great uh, world players 
for example, uh, our Angelo has mentioned and he knows very well who are they. So first of all, we must know who are these players all over the world and each of our countries. Because I remember that one year ago at OECD, they were talking about this, uh, uh, they call them the industry of education. And I asked them, but um, who are they? Who are these players uh, that you call <coughs> that you call the industry uh, education? And they told me from the union side, from the union side, so the union representative, which is a, a British, uh, John Banks, uh, he told me that uh, he was very surprised because in most countries, even the ministers of education do not know who these players are in every country. So we must know who are they, what are they doing. For example, in Portugal, we also have two or three uh, great um, players, players in education. And first of all, we must know who are these players, what, what is their purpose. We know they want to kill uh, public education. And then we must g unite ourselves and uh, fight uh, this in a global sense or more, should I say, in a global sense, global but local at the same time. Concerning the, this industry of education, we must uh, know how they work and they are extremely, extremely good in their fight against public education. Uh, for example, I am giving you an example. There is a um, uh, so-called the Hoover Institution in the University of Harvard, uh, who's in the United States of America, and whose uh, experts only work in doing reports for every country, you know. And uh, one or two years ago, uh, there was a report on Portugal, what Portugal education should do uh, to get better results and so on and so on. And there were two experts, uh, Raymond something, I don't remember the other name. Uh, there were two ladies and all the media in Portugal report, oh, this report is very important. Finally, we have the solution for the, the Portuguese uh, education system. But there, there wasn't one single newspaper or TV or whatever that noticed that that report was written by two investigators from the Uber Institution, which is a right-wing institution uh, who just cares for privatization of education in the States and all over the world. So they work very good, they work very well, and we unions must know how to turn over, to turn around the, this battle with these strong, strong people. So maybe it's important also that we do our own research then? Yes, that's a way, that is clear. For example, uh, every three years, with, uh, it happens with PISA. Everyone talks uh, about PISA, 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 PISA. But uh, we must be prepared, be prepared, uh, unions, before the PISA comes to know, and we know some of the results, and to explain to people what is PISA, uh, what it is not in PISA, and uh, how, in what way should we read, for example, the PISA results. Enjoy today's podcast? Then don't forget to subscribe to receive the latest Ed Voices.